Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. just never seem to know what you're going to get from the Tennessee Titans these days. So much optimism generated from the victory over the Atlanta Falcons, some of which was expressed right here in this format. Vanished in a 20-16 to defeat to the Pittsburgh Steelers, a game that was very much winnable right up until the final minute. When uh, when Will Levis threw his first career interception, but speaking of Will Levis, what is certain is that the rookie will be the Titans' starting quarterback so long as he is upright and able for the remainder of this season. Mike Vrabel wasted no time in making that news public this week. Uh, he met with Levis and with Ryan Tannehill on Monday, let them each know the deal, and. Uh, and preparations for this week's game at Tampa Bay began Wednesday with uh, with Levis running the first team offense as and and Tannehill as he said working through the uh, the process of of being the backup. Titans are now three and five as they uh, as they come off a long break, of course, having played at on a Thursday night in Pittsburgh, but. Uh, Another road game at hand, another road game after that, which, as we have discussed here, is not necessarily a good thing for this team. But uh, let's get into uh, let's get into what uh, what all has transpired here of late in this episode of the Believe in Titans podcast with uh, with the old the old standbys, Titan, former Titans cornerback Denard Walker. Denard, how are you, sir? I'm doing amazing, David. How are you doing this evening? Doing great, thank you. I am David Beauclair, and then, of course, we have John Glennon of the Nashville Post. John, how are you? Doing well. Hope you guys are. All right, let's let's get right to it. Denard, did did Mike Rabel make the right call in uh, in saying it's time to go with Will Levis and uh, and and turn the page? You know, the future is now, so to speak. I think he made the right decision. Uh, it just seemed like the last two games, this offense, I mean, they've been clicking. I know they just scored 16 points uh, Thursday night, but it just seems like he adds a, a different dimension uh, to that offensive unit. I love the way that he played Thursday. I mean, we talk about the pick at the end to Mr. LSU, Quam Alexander. I'm not going <laughs> to, you know, but the, the, the I'll tell you what. Uh, he's playing like a mature veteran. And what this means, this move is just a changing of the guard. We saw this in 2019. We referenced this uh, last week. You talk about Marcus Mariota in 2019 was really supposed to be the franchise quarterback. He was supposed to be playing the other night. Unfortunately, it was a turn of the tide. And we saw a player by the name of Ron Tannehill. Miami ran out. Tennessee traded for him. They got a steal. And so now you see another changing of the guard where Ron is handing over the throne. Now I wouldn't say handing over, but you see a, a young, vibrant 24-year-old that to me, the way that he's playing right now, he looks like a star in the making. John, as you look at this sort of thing, what uh, what do you think really moved the needle, swayed, uh, swayed the powers that be in this franchise to, 
to to make this choice and and make it so clearly and and definitively you know there there was no you know there was no throughout this week well we're going to let them both practice we'll see how the week goes you know as we have seen in in other circumstances from Mike Vrabel yeah I think um it, it was a little surprising from yeah from the fact that that Mike Vrabel you know for for a week or so he kind of went through that you know we'll we'll let you know who's the starter uh when we know how healthy Ryan Tannehill is so that was a little, you know, uh, uh, head scratching because clearly you can just say, even when Ryan Tannehill is healthy, he is either A, going to be our starter, or B, he's not. Um, but yeah, he came right out this week. I, I think he was probably a little bit tired of, of hearing 8,000 questions about it. Probably a little tired of it potentially being a stra- distraction, not only to him, but for the team as well. Uh, and then kind of felt like it was it was time to to make a move there. But I think what went into it, uh, you know, to me, a couple things, at least the spark uh, that, that he had given that offense, you know, how long have, have the Titans been looking for more X plays, um, you know, more of a vertical threat in the passing game and, and in a small sample size, granted, that's what we've seen from Ryan, um, excuse me, from, from Will Levis. Um, you know, we, we saw obviously the four touchdown passes, three long ones against Atlanta uh, even though he didn't throw a touchdown pass in the game against Pittsburgh, still had the most passing yards of any any Titan quarterback this season. Granted, that's only 262, but still. Uh, and then he also, you know, talked about big chunk plays. He had seven completions better than 20 yards downfield in that game. Uh, so those are the kinds of the things I, I, I think that that uh, Mike Vrabel wants to really dig into, capitalize Instead of having to drive, you know, say seventy yards and in, in fifteen plays, hey, maybe it may be a six play drive or a five play drive every now and then is a little bit better bet. Uh, and then I think also too, look where they are. I mean, they're they're three and five right now. You have to be thinking at, at least I think as much about the future uh, as you are at the present. The present is not a good situation. If they're five and three, and and Tannehill is putting up the kind of numbers we've seen in the past. Obviously, I don't think there's a change here. I think you stick with Tannehill, but they're not. They're they're struggling as a team. Ryan Tannehill's numbers were not very good. So I think given those circumstances, boom, hey, it's a perfect situation to to put in your talented rookie who got a two-game audition because of Ryan's injury anyway. And, heck, he won the audition. He's he's your guy. Uh, Time to to go with the kid. Yeah, I'm surprised given – what Tannehill has done for this team and and how important he's been that that it it was so definitive. I I I sort of said this last week. I, I still felt like going into this week that that if if there was going to be a decision, it was going to be if it would be at best maybe you know we're going to go with Levis as long as he continues to play well and give Ryan time enough to get as healthy as he can possibly be assuming that at some point the rookie was gonna was gonna have some bumps and and you leave the door open for Tannehill to get back in there but uh but but for it to be this decisive I I think one it it does speak to that position though I I think Mike Vrabel showed in 2019 he has a good feel for and a good understanding of what what it means to make a change at, at quarterback and and I don't and I guess probably it's best that you don't do it halfway if you're if you're going to do it you, you just do it and uh and to the interesting thing to me you know John you talked about the 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 chunk plays that that 
Levis has delivered. And, and, and I almost feel like Ryan Tannehill's experience worked against him in this regard. You know, he's uh, he's been in the league a long time. We we have seen him how effective he can be with his pre-snap reads and and how quickly he can he can decipher a defense nowadays. And and when you're playing behind an offensive line that that has had its struggles, you know, there there's no secret there. You know, Tannehill's taken his hits this year. I I think you, you've got an offensive coordinator and a head coach who clearly want to push the ball down the field, but I, I think Tannehill was was almost too good at knowing what the defense was doing and making quick reads, trying to avoid getting hit every time he drops back there. I mean, you just you just look at his pass attempts this year, and fifth, more than fifty eight percent, close to sixty percent of his throws have come in under two and a half seconds whereas Levis in uh in two games so far has uh has only gone forty five percent of his throws have come in under two and a half seconds there's been there's there's been fifty five percent that have taken two and a half or longer and I, and you know one I'm sure he's a rookie he doesn't see things as quickly but he also has shown a willingness. I think maybe ignorance is bliss in this regard. I mean, if he understands that, okay, this play is designed to push the ball downfield, I'm going to stand in here, regardless of the, you know, whatever happens with the rush, I'm going to stand in here as long as I can and try and get the ball downfield where I think where, again, I think Tannehill was more likely to say, you know what, the rush is coming. I see what's going on here. I'm going to have this guy open right here. I'm going to get the ball to him. We're going to we're going to live to fight another day and uh and and that's uh you know that that's just not what this these these coaches what this offense is designed to do right now. So uh so you know his, his experience I think will be invaluable uh, assuming that he he mentors Levis and and works with him which there's every indication he's going to do that but uh but in terms of why he's in the situation he is I I think maybe his experience did him in a little bit and uh you know I guess the question has to be asked Denard uh outside of injury do you see any scenario that that Tannehill gets back in there this year yeah because it's you got a long season ahead of you I mean we know that um Injuries are inevitable in this league. And, you know, David, right now it's still early in the season. Right now we're at the midpoint. So, I mean, this is only his second game. I mean, I know right now he's been playing well, but things are subject to change in this league at any time. So right now he's got a tough two-game stretch. You're talking about two games away from home. You got to go to Tampa this week, and then you got to travel down to Jacksonville. And that's not an easy place to play, considering the way that that team has been playing. So he's got two tough games, um, so anything can change. So I'm not really ready to give him the keys and say, huh, this is all yours. But you do uh, get behind him and say, right now we're going to roll with you and we're going to we're going to get behind you and we're going to support you. And that's what this team is doing in this organization. John, uh, assuming Levis makes it through to the end of the season, stays healthy, gets all the experience they want him to get, what uh... – uh, you know, put a bow on Ryan Tannehill's Titans career for us. How, uh, how, how would you, how would you describe it briefly? How successful do you think he has been? Say it's been, you know, certainly, you know, fans are, are, are more prone, I think, to, to remember, you know, games like the Cincinnati playoff game, for instance, 
uh, you know, the AFC Championship and so far. Those, those sometimes that that stands out a lot for for fans. But you know, if you look at the big picture, boy, uh, you know, I, I think good to very good, you know, describes Ryan Tannehill's legacy uh, here right now. I mean, uh, 38-23 winning record, almost fourteen thousand passing yards. 91 touchdowns to 39 picks and a 98 quarterback rating at this point. That's pretty good. Uh, you throw in a few more. Uh, three straight playoff berths under Tannehill. Two and uh, two back-to-back AFC South titles. A trip to the AFC uh, Championship game. Uh, you know, and and maybe when you look back at it, uh, you, know, you know, probably very likely, his most impressive accomplishment was what he did in in 2019 when he first came in uh, to to replace Marcus Mariota. You know, had just obviously been with the team for a few months since getting traded from Miami. Uh, he goes seven and three uh, in in his ten starts after after getting thrown in there um, after the def- after the offense had looked horrible and and the you know the last few games under Marcus he came in turned everything around led the the NFL that year quarterback rating one seventeen five and yards per completion of thirteen six kind of a rare combination. Uh, and you and you win two playoff games that year in New England and Baltimore, you know, but before falling, um, you know, to to Kansas City. So I, I think you know, obviously behind uh, Steve McNair's longevity and and overall production, uh, leadership, etc. You know, I, I think easily Ryan Tanhill comes in number two in terms of Titans quarterbacks. Um, you know, I, I put him ahead of of Marcus Mariota. Um, and uh, I'm trying to trying to look here. Also, yeah, I think one other number that that stuck out that stood out to me when I was looking back through Ryan's stats is uh, 63 games, 14 game-winning drives during that. That's a pretty good uh, percentage, a pretty good ratio in in a, in a relatively small amount of time. I compared that to, to Steve McNair. Um, Steve had 18 game-winning drives in 139 games, so uh, big big difference there. Um, but I, I think overall, if I'm putting a bow on this for Ryan Tannehill, everything from his professionalism, uh, his, his quick learning ability, his leadership, and for the most part, uh, his his production, you know, I, I give him pretty good grades. Yeah, this is this is fascinating to me. I, I looked this up today. This is if if Tannehill does not play another game for the Titans. I know where you're going on this. This 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 might be shocking to some people. If he does not play another game for the Titans, he will have finished with the exact same number of games played and the exact same number of starts as Marcus Mariota, the guy who he replaced six games into the 2019 season. And and statistically speaking, the difference between the two of them is not as massive as I think most people would think. I mean, you're talking about a difference of just 73 more completions for Tannehill in, uh, in just, uh, what is it? Uh, 16 more attempts. So the completion percentage is a difference of 66.4 to 62.9. Fewer than a thousand passing yards separate the two of them. You know, Tannehill won two playoff games. Uh, and, and quite honestly, he didn't have to do a whole lot more than hand off to Derrick Henry in those two wins. You know, Mariota won one playoff game, making one of the more memorable playoff games or plays in, in Titans playoff history when he completed a touchdown pass to himself. Um, you know, the, the big difference, uh, obviously overall was the, uh, 
was the record with with Tannehill right now. He's 38 and 23, which is 15 games above 500. Mariota's 29 and 32, three games below 500. Uh, of course, uh, you know Mariota came into a much worse situation than than Tannehill did. So I, I, I was I was stunned when I when I looked at that and and saw just how really comparable those numbers are, and 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 it shows you just what a fine line there is between winning and losing in the NFL. Because I I think uh, you know I think if if you would ask anybody without looking at the numbers. Who was who was the better quarterback of the two? I, I would think virtually everybody would think Ryan Tannehill by a wide margin, and that's just uh, that's just not the case. But uh, you know, we'll we'll see. Uh, the the Titans actually by the end of 2019 had had put some packages together for uh, for for Marcus Mariota and got him on the field a couple times late in the year. So we'll see. Uh, you know, we I, I assume we've all seen the meme where. You know, it, it shows a picture of Mike Rabel talking to Ryan Tannehill, and it, and it says, "You played some wide receiver in college, didn't you?" You know, like there certainly Tannehill's a good enough athlete that you can uh, you can find some things to do with him if you want. And uh, I, I think the the big question will be: to, I, I would assume there, you know, Mike Rabel was asked about this on Wednesday about two or three quarterbacks active, particularly this week, while you're still trying to figure out how healthy Tannehill is. And he said, uh, he said, we'll see, you know, we all know it was, it was clear from the Atlanta game. There are some packages in for Malik Willis. Do you, do you do things with three different quarterbacks during the course of a game as you go forward? I, I think that bears watching too, but uh, um we we talked about uh we talked about the offensive line a little bit and uh the fact that that it is exposing the quarterbacks to some hits and the uh the news this week in, involving the line is uh is is even worse in some ways the first practice re- or injury report of the week came out on Wednesday. Nicholas Petit-Frere did not practice with a shoulder injury. Paul Kuharski has reported that he will undergo surgery and, and miss a period of weeks. Uh, right guard Daniel Brunskill did not practice with an ankle injury that he sustained at Pittsburgh. Chris Hubbard, the right tackle, is trying to uh, trying to make his way back from the concussion that, that he sustained uh the the week before he's um he 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 was limited so i guess the you know, the evaluation of how he handles the physical activity will uh will be critical so you you know you're talking about maybe three guys who were starters have been starters maybe not available for this uh for this offensive line in Tampa Bay which uh which has a a pretty talented defense at spots, right, Denard? I mean, uh, how uh, how much does Tampa challenge an offensive line anyway? How uh, how big an order might this be for some some backups this week? Well, they was already struggling before, and <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so when you're talking about it getting worse, and you're talking about the strength of Tampa's team, it's their defensive line, their interior line, their Achilles heel really is their secondary. And so when you look at players like Cansey, and we know about Vita Vey, he's been a, a fixture in this league for a long time, and he's a Pro Bowl player, and he's capable of changing the game around. Logan Hall, uh, and then you know their linebacker core, Devin White, Levante David. You know, you got to watch those two, especially the way that they blitz. 
So, I mean, you're talking about now you got three starters that are what banged up or one or two potentially might not be available Sunday. It could be a long day for Will. So, again, and how many sacks that they took Thursday night? Was it four sacks? Yes. It was four. So, four, so was you, it four? I thought it was just two. I thought it was. Let, let's look real quickly. So they gave up four. That's what one of the things I read. But it could be wrong. Anything over anything? Uh, it's just two. Just two? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, I'd rather keep it like that. But, I mean, <laughs> they're going to have to play full Sunday. No, no, John. It was four sacks. It was four. Sunday. Yeah, it was four. I counted four. Maybe it would help if I was not looking at the Atlanta game. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> Don't look at that game. Let's, let's get away from that one. But, right. yeah, this, this is going to be tough day. I, I I promise you, if this team go in that game, and you're talking about bronze skills banged up, hovered, again, in concussion protocol, so again, I know you. you when you uh, informed me earlier, you wanted to talk about Andre Dillard. Uh, that's going to be a key matchup Sunday. So this team might be in trouble if, if they're banged up on the offensive line Sunday. I, I was going to say, John, it, coaches have tried to go away from Andre Dillard. They, you know, two games ago in Atlanta, Nicholas Petit Frere starts uh, starts at the the left tackle spot. That's the game where Hubbard gets the concussion has to come out. Petit Frere slides over Dillard's back in at, at left tackle. Um, we've seen Dylan Raiden's play a little bit at that spot this year too. Um, we've also seen Raiden's play guard specifically left guard. Um, presumably if Brunskill can't go, maybe Raiden's goes there, but if Brunskill can go, does should Dylan Raiden's be get a look at, at left tackle now ahead of Andre Dillard, or is this just a situation you think where you know Titans coaches have no choice? They got to continue to ride with Dillard at this point, who, oh, by the way, if I'm not mistaken, has has given up the most sacks and pressures of any offensive lineman in the league to this point. He has indeed. Um, yeah, eight sacks and 34 pressures, both league-leading numbers uh, for Andre Dillard. Um, yeah, and, and it's sort of like, you know, it's, to me it's very much like um, last year when, when the Titans were trying to get by with Dennis Daly at left tackle and would not, under any circumstances, uh, you know, give Dylan Radins, a guy who played left tackle all through college, Granted, he you know he, he didn't start well at, at at right tackle when they gave him that chance, but you you wondered what it would take, how bad the left tackle would have to be in order for them to give Dylan Raidens a chance, and and here we're kind of seeing it again in my opinion. Now, kudos to to Mike Vrabel, he at least you know uh, uh, pulled Dillard uh, and and said okay NPF we're switching you over to left, so he at least made a move this year, but that. Uh, you know, certainly is is off the board now with NPF's injury. So uh, again, I, I say, how bad does maybe Dillard have to be before you say, okay, Dylan, hey, it's a pretty low bar out there. If you don't give up about you know one or two sacks a game, you know you're you're doing better than the other guy. So to me, I, I think at some point maybe you have to at least try that because your other options, the way, the way I see it. Uh, um, you know, it's not going to be Jalen Duncan, the, the rookie, the sixth round pick. He's kind of a project. He's been inactive most of the time. You're not going to roll him out there as your starting left tackle. Uh, um, you know, and, and Peter Skaronsky, a lot of people are saying, hey, you know, give him a shot at left tackle. They might not, not uh, now, uh, probably not this season because uh, Peter Skaronsky has been playing guard all offseason. You know, through his first half of his rookie season, I don't think they want to move him 
at this point. But I, I, I wonder if next off season, given the, the problems at left tackle, whether they give that a, a shot. I mean, he was an All-American left tackle. That's all he did in college was play left tackle. But as for this week, you know, early indications seem to be that, that Dillard is, is getting rolled back out there again. And I, again, I, I just sort of scratch my head and say, what, you know, what do they think Dylan Raidens would do? How bad, you know, would, would Dylan Raidens perform that they just can't seem to stomach the thought of, of putting him out there, a, a guy who is performing very poorly in terms of pass protection anyway. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, say this about Raidens. You know, he's he's been an easy target for us and for a lot of other folks for uh, for pretty much all of his time in the league to this point. But but he has surprised us when he has gotten thrown into the mix. And you can you can go back specifically in it, for the purposes of this discussion to that 2021 game late in the year against the San Francisco 49ers. Taylor Lewan got hurt again. Raidens started at left tackle in that game and the uh and the Titans beat the 49ers 20 to 17. Now Ryan Tannehill was sacked four times in that game and he completed 22 passes for only 209 yards. I mean clearly the idea that night was get your ball get the ball out of his hands quickly short throws and and keep the uh keep the keep the ball moving down the field but he did hook up with uh AJ Brown on on some big plays in that one and eventually Brown was the guy who took over that game and 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 had a huge night with 11 catches for 145 yards and a touchdown um and and that was with Dylan Raiden's blocking at at left tackle I, I I mean, I I get it. There's there's a lot that uh, there's a lot about him that concerns you, and and you haven't always seen good things. But but he is a guy who has surprised fans and coaches and and probably his teammates to some degree at 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 times. And and that was a uh, that that was a that was a perfect example that night. I I, I would suspect again. One way or another, Radens is playing in this game, whether it's for Brunskill or whether it's for uh, for Dillard, or, or it maybe and and if maybe Brunskill and Dillard and Hubbard all start, um, then then maybe Radens comes in at some point. I, I would think they'd have a fairly short leash again with Dillard at this point, but uh, but we'll see. I you know I. I the fact that Dylan Radens is still on the roster suggests that there are some things that they, that they like about him and they see some value. I mean, they haven't just, just flat out given up on him to this point. So, uh, uh, you know, it, it, I agree. It, it's hard to imagine he could be, he could be significantly worse than Dillard to this point. Exactly. And then we know, you know, I, the problem, you know, is just certainly the, the pass blocking is, is more the concern, you know, coming from Dylan Radin's background, you know, at, at uh, um, North Dakota State there. Uh, north or south? All of a sudden I'm drawing a blank here. North Dakota State. He's north, okay. yeah. Yeah, you know, it was, uh, you know, certainly not like a pro-style game, you know, and, and he got much more of a background experience in the run game. So that is his strength, and, and I'm sure what they're – a little nervous about is his is his pass probability, um, but but again when when he's gone in there you know he's he's done well enough I think in the uh, either last game um, I guess it was last game I think he had one of if not the highest uh, PFF rating for the for the Titans on offense so 
He's doing some things well. You know, Mike Vrabel acknowledged today that hey, when when he when he keeps his feet under him, when he stays on balance and so forth, uh, you know, he he does uh, he does do a pretty good job for us. So hey, you know, turns out the guy was a second round pick. Might be you know, <laughs> you know might be time to uh, give him give him another shot. Um, you know, indeed. Uh, going back to the injury report, Aziz Al Shire did not practice Wednesday. Traylon Burks is is dealing with a concussion and and did not practice again. I, I would assume we won't see Burks for this game. Maybe maybe not the Jacksonville game as well. And uh, and cornerback Sean Murphy Bunting didn't practice with a uh, with a thumb injury. Uh, Denard, I, I gotta ask: as a as a cornerback, is a thumb injury a big deal? Uh, I mean, you can you can still knock a pass down if maybe you can't catch it right at some point, or is that is that the most painful thing you can imagine? Get it, you know, a broken thumb and trying to knock down a pass that's being zipped in, like on an out route or something like that. Is it a broken thumb? Well, I, I don't, I don't know if it's broken uh, or not, but well, it's a, it's a thumb injury. I mean, if, yeah, he, if he's not practicing, I would, I would assume it's a, a, a significant, maybe a ligament tear, or something, whatever yeah, it is, or a sprain, which yeah. is almost, yeah, it's equivalent. But well, yeah, it can hinder you from jamming a guy because if that thumb, you know, if that thumb is sprained, uh, you've got a, a, a sprained thumb. What happens is it's very sensitive. And sometimes when you just touch that thing, it's like an AC joint where you, you know, you've kind of bruised it. You can just touch it sometimes and it's very tender. So yeah, it, it, it kind of will uh, hinder you from jamming. And we haven't seen Tennessee jam a lot of uh, receivers this season. So again, that might play to their favor, but yeah, I don't think it's anything that I would be worried about. I think you will see him Sunday, especially he's going back to Tampa yeah, he's not going to miss this game. <laughs> he's not going to miss this game, I promise you. Good point. Uh, what about, yeah, go ahead. I was go. just going to say, yeah, Denard, what about uh, I would have to assume if it's a significant enough thumb injury, though, like tackling, I'm sure, is is no fun when you're trying to grip or, uh, you know, pull guys down, especially if it's after a, after a completion, too, right? Does that pose a, a pretty significant problem? Yeah, it's a nagging injury, but you know what? They have some good medicine for it. They actually shoot it up before game time, and that'll help, and that will not wear off until after the game. I've had that. I had a, a infected uh, nail one time, and that, that thing hurt, and I've also sprained my thumb. So, it again, it's just a nagging injury. It's just like a, a sprained ankle. That it's, you know what? You just kind of shoot it up, and you just play it out. But I, I don't see this would hinder him, should hinder his performance Sunday in Tampa. I mean, the only thing I guess would be if it, if it's something that was severe enough that required surgery, surgery that you know, like they they put some hardware in there, or whatever that uh, that then he wouldn't be able to go. But you're right, going back going back to Tampa, you know that this is a game that he's uh, he's been really looking forward to. John, you know, we we have talked about it at times. Traylon Burks, the great touchdown catch at Philadelphia last year, the the cheap shot that left him with a concussion there. This is a, a second concussion now. We all saw Thursday night in Pittsburgh. He comes down on his back. His head snaps down, uh, ended up being carted off the field in that game. Two concussions in, in less than a year. Is 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 this becoming a, a big problem for Traylon Burks, do you think? I think that is the concussions are yes I, I would agree with you there and, and I think just you know the fact that that one nagging injury or issue 
after another seems to to keep popping up for him. You know, I, I want to say he's probably played in, you know, kind of just over half of his of, of the games right now in, in the first two years. Um, you know, and and obviously the only way you're going to get better is is through all kinds of practice reps, uh, all kinds of of game reps, and and he's just not getting them right now. And you know, these aren't these haven't been the kind of injuries that that Mike Vrabel seems to uh, you know get so bothered by the soft tissue injuries. You know, stuff like hamstring and and groin and and things like that. I mean, they're they're legit. Uh, you know, tough injuries like the concussions on those hits. Uh, you know, he had the, had the knee uh, situation occur this year up in, in Minnesota. Um, you know, he had the turf toe last year in Indy that, that kept him out for a few weeks. So, you know, I don't, I don't think anyone is suggesting that, that Traylon Burks is, is soft or, or anything like that by by any stretch. But there there are some players, for whatever reason, that, that just do end up getting injured, it seems like, more often uh, than than other players, and and right now that that's kind of the scenario that that's going on with Traylon Burks. You know, he's just never in a long stretch of games where he can ramp up and improve and and get better and so forth. You know, he's constantly uh, you know nicked up or or you know seriously injured uh, one one thing after another there. So um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's a difficult difficult uh, road right now for Traylon Burks. Denard, how how frustrated do you imagine he is on a scale of one to 10? Is it a 50 at this point? It's probably a hundred right <laughs> now, especially when you see how this receiving core they've been playing. And you're talking about since Will has been implemented into the uh, the quarterback position, this receiving core, they've gotten better. You're talking about the chemistry with D hop. I mean, look at the last two games where it's eight catches, 188 yard, three touchdowns. We've watched over the last two weeks, Cal Phillips. We were uh, very critical of this player because of his inability to stay on the field this season. And he's been cranking it up. It looks like the Cal Phillips, uh, the Cal Phillips that I saw Thursday night, that looked like the same Cal Phillips back in 2021 against LSU down in the, the Rose Bowl. I mean, he's looking great. So if you're trailing Burke, you see NWI made a key catch the other night on a pivotal down. I mean, when the Titans needed it. And so this, and we saw Chris Moore. I mean, he's, they're putting him, they're giving him a little bit more. So this receiving core is getting better, but they were out their best player and that's Traylon Burks. And we talked about all off season, how, you know, it looked like he's gotten acclimated to the air in Nashville, how he looks smooth throughout camp. And now it just seemed like, boom. I mean, he's just been hit with that injury bug. And that was something that we worried about because of what happened last year with the cushion at, and uh, down in uh, Philly when he got uh, knocked out. So, again, this is – this is. I mean, it's hard on him because it's not like uh, when you get knocked out or you get a concussion, I mean, that's a blow to your head. And that's serious, David, because if you get one more, I'm pretty sure lead protocol is going to have to step in then. And they're going to have to make a ruling because what is it like about two concussions in the last two years? That's serious, David. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, back when you played, it was almost like a badge of honor. You, you know, oh, I've had seven concussions. I've had, you know, like guys taught, you know, everything we know about concussions now. It, it, I mean, one more. And I would think Tra- Traylon Burks has to start thinking about retirement because of the, because of the effect, of, you know, potential effect on the rest of his life. So, uh, you know, and this this you know you used to classify them too as you know mild or severe or whatever like this I, I'm certain 
this one would not be considered mild when you look at the way he hit the ground and, and everything that transpired immediately after that with how careful they were with getting him off the field and, and what have you. So, uh, uh, and yeah. I think apparently, uh, just for a few seconds anyway, we blacked out. I think yeah. he was unconscious briefly too. So. so that I mean that yeah, there, there's nothing there's nothing good about this situation for Traylon Burks other than you know you would assume that the 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 medical team is going to give him all the time he needs to get healthy and and the pro the concussion protocol is in place so they'll they'll measure him against the baseline and and when he's ready they'll they'll go again but. Uh, here we go. Titans are going on the road again. I'm I'm just going to say it. I'm going to come right out and say it as we wrap this thing up. And I think I said it last week. Until I see this team win a game outside of Nissan Stadium, I, I you know I'm just not going to believe it right now. So I'm 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 going to say even with all the excitement over Will Levis and you know the futures now kind of thing, Titans are going down to uh, to Tampa and and coming home with a defeat. John Glennon, do you see any reason? that I'm going to be wrong. I completely respect your theory and I, I should probably go along with it, but I'm going with the, it has to happen sometime oh. uh, theory this week. They have to get a, a, a victory away from, from Nissan at some point. Uh, they've been close in four of the five, four of the five have been one score games. Only Cleveland was the, as, as Mike Rabel referred to it today, the turd. Uh, <laughs> that was the, the one that they really stunk it up. But, you know, I, I do see some signs. You know, Tampa is not a great rushing team. And, and you know, the rush defense has all of a sudden become a very big issue for, for the Titans. Tampa's not going to run it down their throat. Uh, you know, their, their defense is uh, is so-so, I, I think. Um, and, and we know Baker Mayfield uh, is very much a, a hot and cold type player. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I don't seem – I'm not terribly scared. Uh, about the Bucks, I think Will Levis made a good showing for himself at Pittsburgh. I think the the Titans are going to get their road win here. Denard Walker, you agree with that? Coming into this podcast, I was uh, until you, you start talking about the offensive line being banged <laughs> up. So <laughs> I had my mind all made up, and I was going to say, John, I'm going to roll with you uh, about Tennessee winning. It's just going to come down to the play of the offensive line. Can they protect Will? Because defensively, they match up well against this Tampa's offense. I think the front four of Tennessee, Simmons, Tart, Autry, and Landry, are a whole lot better than uh, the Bucks' offensive line. They're not a good running team. They cannot run the football. If you, can't, you know Tennessee, they're stingy. So, I'm going to go with the offensive line and hold up, Sonny. I got Tennessee going into Tampa, winning their first road game this year. All right. Well, we will see. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.